You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. We're going to look at the parable of the seeds and the, and the sower. So if you're done greeting, if you're done getting your bagel and stuff, turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Mark 4, verse 3. Anybody else there? I'll give you another second. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's in the New Testament. You should be able to find it pretty easily. It's uh, Mark 4, verse 3. Is, is somebody there? All right, a couple of people are there. I'll read it. It's, these are the words of Jesus. My Bible has red letters, which make it kind of fun and cool to find the words of Jesus quickly. But this is red letters for Jesus is ter- telling a parable. And it says, listen, exclamation point. A farmer went out to sow his seed. So can you imagine it? Like sowing seeds, farmer sowing seeds. As he scattered the seeds, some fell along the path. And the birds came and they ate it up. So it didn't even land on the soil. And then verse 5 says, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Verse 7 says, Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up, grew up but choked the plants. Because, and so they did not bear any grain. And then here's the fourth type of seed. Still, another seed fell on good soil. It, ca- it came up and it grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And Jesus goes on in this parable to say that that seed-sowing parable is about salvation, how the good news of Jesus is, is spread out and, and people receive it in different levels. And so this morning we're going to talk, continue our talk about salvation, but let's pray. Let's, let's recognize that he is here with us. And so, Jesus, we just say to you that we're, we're here, we're willing to learn from you. God, as we study what salvation is, as we study this, this huge question of, of whether or not we can actually lose our salvation or not, this morning, God, we ask that you be with us, stir us up in, in the mystery of how you hold all things together and how you give us responsibility over our own salvation but you still are over it all you are sovereign and there's a mystery of how those two things can work at the same time god we pray your presence here we love that you are here we honor you we give you all praise this morning and everybody screamed amen Amen. when i was in middle school i was in middle school in like the early 90s anybody else in middle school way back then (laughs) yeah few of us. I'm like really old. So I was in middle school during the early 90s. Uh, George Bush, the, uh, the older one, the senior, was El Presidente of the United States. And it was uh, a time, I remember in middle school, I think, it, I forget which year it was exactly, but the, it was right as Desert Storm, no, it was, it was Desert Shield was starting, the, the war in the Middle East. And a bunch of middle schoolers, as, as news of the war came about in the media, a bunch of middle schoolers, not the teachers, but all these middle schoolers, uh, had a little tiny peace rally, which actually became quite a big peace rally at my school. And so it was like they used their lunch hour, and they were out in front of the school uh, rallying against the war with with these peace signs and like war's bad signs. These little middle schoolers, um, hun- about a hundred of them were outside the school. And, and of course, like there's just this big crowd and like a crowd of middle schoolers just draws more middle schoolers. There's like little drones coming in. Uh, and so I was one of the little drones coming in and everyone's chanting, no war. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I was like holding this little sign, no war. 
And uh, if you would have asked me, like, what are you doing? You know, what, what are you rallying against? I would have said, I have no idea. I, the war, obviously. The war. Like, which war? I have no idea which war. But everybody else was doing it, so I was doing it. And my response would have been like, oh, well, go talk to them. They, they, they know what they're doing because they are so passionate about it. They're chanting that, that this idea that, uh, that they're going to be there until the war's over. They're going to do their part. These little middle schoolers out in front of the school, every lunch hour, they're like talking about it. Like, we're going to be here every day until this war's over. We're, we're anti-war. We're, let's have, have, a, have a peace rally right here. And we're going to be here until the war's over. We're going to be here till the war's over. They're, they're like chanting this thing. And then they started chanting, uh, they started chanting, hell no, we won't go. H, no, we won't go. And then a teacher came out and said, you can't chant that. And so they changed it to, heck no, we won't go. And so there's like chanting this thing during lunch on this day that the, this, uh, the war was declared or, or some big news thing happened for Desert Shield. And so they're chanting against the war. They're, they're saying they're going to be there until the war's over. And then, and then the next day comes. So that was the first day of the peace rally. The next day, there was like half as many. And they're like, oh, well, here's the, here's the real, we're the real ones that are going to stay till this war is over. And then on the third day, this, in front of the middle school, there was no kids. None. The, the, the war, the peace rally was over. Even though there was like, we're going to be here till the war is over. We're going to do our part. And it, it only lasted, it didn't even last three days. It lasted two days. And that's obviously a critique on middle school culture of having lots of passion, but really no stick to itiveness. And I think it's, it's also a, I think a critique on our culture, like that kind of thing is, we see that kind of all the time, and, and more or less, maybe not as exaggerated, but we see like the biggest news media story ever is like airing for like one week, and then the next week, it's something else. We're always about the new, what's the newest, the, the newest, newest thing, like like the iPod just came out, it's like, no, there's a newer one that is even going to come out even newer than the newest one, we got to have it, and, and we're all about what is novel, what is new, what is fresh, and this change is good, and there's, there's little stick to intuitiveness there's compared to maybe other generations there's there's a lot less loyalty compared to other generations or cultures for instance marriage i know this is a, kind of a downer status but the status of of marriage today in america is that a little more than a half 50 something percent of marriages will fail there's there's this lack of stick intuitiveness in life or even even think about like how people treat their jobs like our grandparents generation they got a job like out of high school or out of college and they probably stuck with that job. Like I know my grandpa got a job out of college. He was an engineer at the same plant for his entire life, his whole career at the same job. And so many of us have been already had, I know I've already had like six different jobs. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so we, we change jobs, we change careers. That's kind of our culture. There's, there's very little stick to And so some of that plays off into our Christian lives. And I know so many of us could probably name names of Christians, maybe people that used to come to the mill, name names of people that were were on fire for God. They came to the mill, they maybe they gave their life to God at a retreat, they did an altar call, maybe they got baptized, maybe they taught a small group, maybe they were a youth leader at TAG, maybe they were doing all these great things, and you, maybe you even looked up to them as like, oh, you know, he's, he's teaching me things, he, he's, a, he's one of my spiritual mentors. And then something happens, or a bunch of things happen, a course of time happens, and they, they drift away. They're, can't, can't, in your head, can't you think of names of people that were we're, we're on fire for God, and now they're, 
nowhere to be found. And maybe you look at their Facebook and they're, they're, they're clearly just not a Christian anymore. They're, they're doing something else with their life. Maybe they've joined another religion altogether and they're just no longer a part of church. They're no longer a part of calling themselves a Christian anymore. And so this question arises as to, okay, we can all name people that, that are like that in our lives that we've seen become Christians and then walk away. The question is, and we're going to talk about this all this morning, we have almost an hour to talk about this big question, this foundational question, this very important question of, can you lose your salvation? If we look at some of our friends that are no longer a part of the believing, and they, they said they were believing at one point and now they're not, did they actually have salvation and now they don't? They've walked away? Or... Did they, did they never actually have salvation at all? Well, which one is true? And there's a mystery behind it. And there's, there's a mystery that says, you know, we can't judge another person's salvation. And, uh, and, and so we, we can go along with that path. But then there's something about, well, let's learn about it. Let's study this question. Can we lose our salvation? Yes or no? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. It has uh, some implications on what we believe about salvation, some important ones. And so it may be, for some of you, it may be a very challenging Sunday school because so I know some of you have come from denominations that answer that question with a yes or a no. Can you lose your salvation? No, you cannot. There's heretics that teach you can, but we, we believe you cannot lose your salvation. And there's others of you in here that maybe came from a church that said, yeah, you can lose your salvation. There's heretics out there that say you can't lose your salvation. But they're, they're over there. We're, we're, we know what is really true. And so there, there's a dichotomy. There's a discussion that, that we're going to get to here in the Mill Sunday School. And it may, be, it may bring up some things from your past. If, you, if you're very strong on one, one side or the other, um, this, this may be a very fun Sunday School or maybe a very challenging Sunday School lesson for you. But that's where we're going this morning. Because it's important stuff. It's foundational stuff. It has to do with salvation. And salvation is important stuff. Right? Right. So, we're studying salvation. Uh, let's see. Well, I think I have a few announcements for you. Uh, let's see. Let's go over this one first. If you're newish to the Mill Sunday School, there are little cards like this that say, Get schooled. We're glad you're here. If you take a moment and fill that out and give it to the nice people at the back table when you leave, uh, they'll give you a CD. It's got some songs on it and uh, a sermon from the Mill on a Friday night Mill sermon. And uh, we are glad that you're here. Um, so that's that. Uh, this is the last Sunday of April, so we, we as the Mill Sunday School take Sunday School topics per month. We've been talking about salvation, and so <clears throat> the month after April is May. And so in May, if you look at these little cards, it's kind of a calendar of things to come. It says on there, heresiology, which is actually a real word. And we are going to study what, what heretics believe. We're going to study heresy. And we're going to study different cults, different groups of, of religions that are very similar to Christianity, but very different. And so that, that should be a very fun month next month. But we're going to finish up our topic today by talking about um, this question. Can you lose your salvation? 
And in the Mill Sunday School, we, t- we talk about theology. We talk about doctrine. And sometimes there's negative ideas about, oh, we're going to look at theology. Isn't that just what scholars do in their little libraries? They go off and read books and do theology. It's like, no, we do theology here in the Mill Sunday School because theology is literally the study of God and we're studying who God is. And uh, theos and logos, these Greek words that make up this theology word that we say, the logos is the word and, and God is, theos is God. It's like the word of God. We're studying the word of God and that's a good thing. And doctrine, literally, Literally means from the Greek, it's just teaching. And so we're studying the teachings about the doctrines of God. Isn't that why you're here this morning? All right, so let's, let's just dive in this morning and uh, look at the first thing. It says on your notes, uh, we, we call this the skillet, the Sunday school millet thing. And on the cover, just out of curiosity, if you're like, what is that? Is there a dino on the cover? This is something someone drew on, on a skillet a long time ago, and then they left it on the table, and then Patrick, wherever he is, he scanned it in and made it the cover. So if you drew this, g- tell Patrick that you were the, the, the designer so we can give you credit, because it's, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Anyways, instead of drawing pictures, take some notes. <laughs> and you can take notes on the security of salvation. Let me give you the definition. So under security of salvation, here's the definition of what it means to be eternally secure. I think we have a slide that we could put up here uh, to help you write it down. Eternal security means uh, that once a person has become a Christian, once a person has become a Christian, there's absolutely nothing they can do to lose their salvation. Once a person becomes a Christian, there's absolutely nothing they can do to lose their salvation. That's, the, that's what eternal security means. So someone, if someone asks you, do you believe we're eternally secure? You would know that, oh, they're really asking me, do I, do I think that I can lose? Does it, does a per, can a person lose their salvation um, if, they, if, they, if they did something? Or if they, can they turn their backs on God? Is that, is that even possible to lose your salvation? And so there's two sides of this thing. There's, there's the side of the assurance of salvation. There's the side that says, I believe you cannot lose your salvation. And so here's some, here's some buzzwords, some, some bumper sticker phrases that, that you might use. Um, like assurance of salvation. That we are eternally secure. Has anyone ever heard perseverance of the saints? This idea that we will persevere, and we are, we are saints, we're called by God, those that are saved are saints, and so there's this perseverance of the saints. And then, of course, the phrase that maybe the most of us are familiar with, once saved, always saved. The phrase that says, oh, do you believe in eternal security? And, and if someone says they do believe in eternal security, they could say, yes, I believe that once you are saved, you are always saved. There's nothing you can do. There's no decision you can make that would turn yourself away from God. If you're truly believing, then God will keep you in his kingdom no matter what. And so that's the side of eternal security. On the other side of eternal security is more of a free choice, a free will side of things that says, you know, we choose salvation, so maybe we can choose against salvation even if we had it. And so these kind of people, people that would say, oh, it's, it's more free will. So someone that says they don't believe in eternal security might accuse 
eternal security people of, of being the frozen chosen. Have you heard that phrase before? So they're frozen in their security. They've been chosen and now they're frozen or something like that. I don't know. Um, or they could accuse once saved, always saved people of, oh, you just believe that once you come to the altar and make a declaration for Jesus, then that saves you from hell. And so all salvation really is to you is fire insurance. Have you heard that before? It's kind of funny. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny to say. It's, it's like a bumper sticker phrase. It's a, it's a buzz phrase. And, and so um, eternal security, p- excuse me, free will, the side of free will. If you're against eternal security, you might say things like, oh, we have to endure to the end. We have to work out our salvation. Two, two ideas directly found in scripture. I had a, a youth pastor that uh, I guess he was more of a youth leader back in the day. He wasn't the pastor, but he was a youth leader. And he would always joke around because high schoolers always want to like, you know, test the limit. And so they're always like, hey, youth leader, what do you think about drinking? What do you think about uh, watching R-rated movies? What do you think about how far is too far? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And he would always turn it back on them and say, well, it doesn't matter what I think. You know, it's, it's, not, my eternal, <laughs> it's not my eternal salvation. You go ahead and watch those R-rated movies not my eternal salvation. Like this idea that they would go watch an R-rated movie and then be eternally damned for doing so and then have to get back. He, would, he was joking around about it, but I always thought, like, is he serious? Like, is, are we really, what? But anyways, so there's two sides of this debate. There's, um, let's see. Here's, on the notes it says, debate. Free will says, and then below that it says, sovereignty says, and as, I've, as I was preparing for this message for the Mill Sunday School, um, it seems like a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of preachers take one side or the other. And, and they take that side very, very seriously. They take it very, very in depth. And they, they get very passionate about the side that they believe in. And so I was watching YouTube videos uh, all this week, and, and just anybody watch YouTube videos just like mindlessly? Yeah, I was watching, I just typed in like eternal security, or once saved, always saved, or uh, the debate of whether you could lose your salvation. I typed in these things, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I watched every single video, but I probably watched over a hundred videos this week about this debate, whether it was actually the video itself was of two people going back and forth, two Christians, mind you, just slamming each other and calling each other names and heretics. And it was, it was a little disturbing actually, because like, here these Christians are, and it started off slow. It started off like they shook each other hands and like, here's how this debate's going to work. We're going to have a little timer clock and we're going to, you know, have 10 minutes each. And then as the debate progressed, it was like two hours of debate. They were just like standing up screaming at each other and it was a little much in my opinion um <laughs> it's like aren't you guys supposed to love each other but they, they were both there was there was an arminianist and a calvinist and that that's I'm a, two two terms i'm going to talk about in just a second but um so one said you can you lose your salvation one said you cannot lose your salvation just going back and forth and then other youtube videos were just people like webcam videos looking into their webcam saying hey youtubers i'm gonna tell you about how you can lose your salvation today on my web channel and then and then and so they would talk about how you can lose your salvation or you can't lose your salvation depending on what side they were coming from and then someone else would post Post a, a webcam video response to their video, calling them heretics and false teachers. And it's all this passion um, on these two sides of this argument that we as Christians have. And I don't think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk 
my, kind of my bias in teaching this this morning is, is I have no idea. I'm really open to the debate. Can you or can you not lose your salvation? If you, so people will come up to me afterwards and say, what, so what do you think? Really, what do you think? Really, seriously, what, which, which way do you think? And I will say, true, like, as of right now, I really, I don't, I'm not leaning one way or the other. I can, I can see both sides pretty clearly. I can see why someone would say, you can't lose your salvation and all the aspects that go with that. And I could see someone that says, yeah, you can lose your salvation because of this, this, and this. And so I could see both sides. And so maybe that's why I'm teaching this this morning. Because I can, I just want to teach it. I want to give both sides a fair justice, um, the justice due to them and, and carry on their argument. So, in your notes, it says, debate, free will says. So a free will is this idea that we freely choose salvation, therefore we can freely unchoose our salvation. And so usually, just to, if, you're, if you're like, who believes this? Well, most Arminians believe this. Arminians um, are opposite of Calvinists. A Calvinist, have you ever heard of the phrase, a five-point Calvinist? If you've heard the phrase, some of you are like very familiar with the phrase. Um, and so it's, there's five points that you, that you are totally depraved. You are, uh, you are elected by God. You are chosen by God. And then the last of the five points is P, perseverance of the saints. And there's this acronym called TULIP that some of you are probably familiar with. But the one we're talking about today is this fifth point, this perseverance of the saints. Calvinists believe you cannot lose your salvation. And someone considered an Arminianist would say, yeah, you can lose your salvation. So free will on the side of Arminianism. So sometimes Methodists will, will have more of a leaning towards free will. Pentecostals will sometimes have more of a, of a leaning of free will. Um, free will Baptists usually will have more of a leaning towards the free will side of things. And so they would say things like, um, um, the, you, you, if you believe that you cannot lose your salvation, then it's, it's a false teaching because if you think that you could just, you know, come to, f- forward to an altar call, say you're saved, and then, and, then, and then have salvation, they would say it's silly to think that you're just automatically saved no matter what you do, even if you turned away from God. Uh, the, the side of free will says we could freely choose God, and then, and then down the line, if, if we decide this Christian life is too hard or if we don't want to believe anymore, then we actually can turn ourselves away from God and we can actually walk away from salvation. And so they might bring up verses like 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2 says, Now brothers, this is Paul talking to the churches at Corinth, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, that which you received and hold on to, that which you've taken your stand. And then verse 2, By this gospel you are saved if, an Arminius would say, if you hold firmly to the word preached to you. Otherwise, you would have believed in vain. So you actually believed, but you believed in vain if you don't hold firmly to the word I preached to you. So the, fr- the side of free will says you need to hold on to your salvation. You need to abide in your salvation. You need to work out your salvation. Salvation is, 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 a, is, a, is a life lived for Christ. It's not just a decision you made one day. And th- so that's more the side of um, the free will. And so if you watch these YouTube videos, they'll be like, now there's this heresy out there that says you, you can never lose your salvation. And they'll get really mad and steamed and 
And then, and you'll click on the next video and it'll be another person with the same, like, vivor and the same passion screaming about how you can lose your salvation. And, so, and, they're, and they're both, like, quoting verses. And then they both end their YouTube videos with, like, I saw these two YouTube videos and they both ended it with, so one side says you can, one side says you cannot lose your salvation, but they both ended their video with, you show me in the Bible your side of it and I'll believe it. And then it ended. And then the other video was like, uh, saying, the opposite saying show me in the bible and i'll believe your side and it ended i was like what in the world i was like <laughs> like there's just so much passion and and to to give the the at least to give the 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 debate credit where credit's due i think this is a foundational idea it does have a lot of implications about what you believe about salvation so here's the other side. So the side of free will says you can lose your salvation. The side of God's sovereignty. So sovereignty meaning God's sovereignty that God chooses and God determines. Um, so the side of sovereignty is the side of Calvinism. If you've heard that phrase before, and it comes after John Calvin who lived in the Middle Ages and, and um, he was one of the reformers of the church, one of the protesters of the Catholic Church, one of the Protestants. And so sometimes you'll hear uh, Calvinism referred to as reformed theology. Have you heard of that phrase before? If you're, are you reformed theology? They're kind of asking, are you, are you a Calvinist? Do you, do you believe that it's totally all about God's choice and it's not about your choice? Like the idea of, um, um, of do you choose Jesus or does he choose you? And uh, let's see, so Baptists are usually in, this, in the side of Reformed theology, in the side of Calvinism. Presbyterians many times are in the side of Reformed Calvinistic theology. And, and so they would say that you cannot lose your salvation. They would make YouTube videos saying, there's these idiot preachers out there that say you can lose your salvation. And I just watched, I watched that, you, you, this YouTube video yesterday, this lady just like getting all mad saying, there's false teachers that will tell you you can lose your salvation. She's going on and on just very passionately about her side of this debate. And so, and so they may refer to verses like this. So turn to John chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So this is the side of you cannot lose your salvation. And here's a pretty strong verse. Just like, to me, it seems like there's a pretty, the, the first Corinthians 15 verse that we read is pretty strong, saying you could lose your salvation. This, this verse says pretty strongly that you can't lose your salvation. I'm looking at John 10, starting in verse 27. The words of Jesus, once again. And it's Jesus talking about his sheep, the believers. You know, this, this analogy that he is the shepherd and his sheep are the ones that follow Jesus. So John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. This idea that you're confirmed, you're secure. You can't be snatched out of the hand of God if you've been given salvation. And so there's, there's, there's two debates here. There, excuse me, there's, there's one debate, there's two sides. Can you or can you not lose your salvation? And so before we get into this, I'm going to give you a discussion. I'm going to give you a passage of Scripture on either side. I'm going to give you two passages of Scriptures. Um, that, that's coming next, the Hebrews and the Romans. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but first I want to say that there's a balance of this sovereignty and responsibility 
And when I refer to sovereignty, I'm referring to God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign. He holds all things in his hands. He is the one who has planned things out. He's the one who knows things. He one that, he's the one that gives destiny to, to things. He's the one that has chosen us. And all those things we believe as Christians. Yeah, God is in control. And then at the same time, there's so many scripture verses that refer to this idea of human responsibility. You and I's responsibility to, if we are chosen, to work out our salvation, to bear fruit of the salvation that we are holding on to. So there's a balance between these two things. And they're both true. God is sovereign and we do have responsibility. And so looking at this debate, can you, can you not lose your salvation? Let's talk about some things both sides would agree on before like going at each other's throats or making YouTube videos against the other side. Here's what all, here's what both sides would say. These both sides would agree that salvation is by grace. Salvation is by grace, not by works. Both sides would say that, oh, the the proof uh, of real faith is works. So we're saved by grace. And then good works come out of that. And kind of the proof, the, the, the way we know we are saved is that our lives have changed. There's good fruit coming out of our life. Um, both sides would say that someone could look like a Christian one day for maybe a time, maybe a month. Maybe they made a decision. They look like a Christian. Both sides would say, and then that person fell away. Both sides would say, yeah, it's possible to look like a Christian and then to fall away. The real question comes down to, did they actually have salvation or did they just look like they had salvation? That's what it really boils down to. And it's a, it's a question of semantics. It's a question of, okay, can we judge someone else's salvation? If we can, then, then, then did they or did they not actually have salvation? And so, and so the question we're going to look at is... Um, can you or can you not look, lose your salvation? And if you can, or if you can't lose your salvation, actually, it's better worded, if you can lose your salvation, then on what criteria do you lose your salvation on? Is it, is it by works? Well, that, that doesn't seem right, because if you don't get your salvation by works, then you probably don't lose your salvation by works. So it's really more of, okay, are you able to give away your salvation? And it's like, well, why would you give it away? If you're truly God's, it's not his it's not yours to give away. And so it really, I think it really comes down to if you can lose your salvation, it's more about rejection of what you believed in. Is it possible or is it not possible to reject what you believe? Having come into the knowledge of God, being placed in his hands, placing your faith in him, is it then possible with all that knowledge to reject him? Yes or no? And so we're going to look at two different scriptures. And these um, keep coming up as as. In my opinion, these are, these are the two, I'm looking at Hebrews 6 and then Romans 8, these passages that are in your notes. And these two passages are probably the, the most famous or most infamous, infamous passages. The Hebrews one kind of t- is the one that people use to say, yes, you can lose your salvation. And then a person that says, no, you can't lose your salvation would refer to Romans 8, uh, 38 through 39. So what we're going to do here as, as Sunday school is we're going to take some time and look at these passages, actually get into them, read them, and, and devour them and tear them apart. And it's like, what is this passage actually saying? So as a group, uh, let's look at the Hebrews passage first. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. It's, it's the uh, 
book towards the end of uh, the, the New Testament. It's right, be, right before J- the book of James. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4, 4 through 6, it says this. And I'll just read it here, and then I'm going to give you a chance to, to talk about it, to look at it, and answer some questions about this passage. So this is the passage people say, you can lose your salvation. Look at this passage. Hebrews 6, starting in 4, says... It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. So if, it's, if it is possible, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So someone that believes... You can lose your salvation. And, 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 and we talked about how it's more of a rejection of salvation. If you can reject your salvation, they'll point to this verse and say, Look, it's, if they fall away, someone can fall away. How can they be brought back to repentance? Because they'd be crucifying God twice or more than once. And so what I want you to do is in, in, your, in your groups at your table, look at this passage and maybe, maybe if you're by yourself, that's fine as well. If, you wanna, if your table's small and you want to join another table, giving you a lot of freedom right now to, to look at this passage and then to answer some questions. We're going to put some questions up here on the, uh, on the PowerPoint slides. And it's going to have three questions. First of all, what is the context of this passage? Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. What's the context? What's, what's going on here? What's the big picture here? And then is this passage actually talking about salvation? Is it? Can, can we tell from this passage, is it, is it really talking about salvation? And then the third thing is, is this passage actually saying you can lose your salvation? So that's what I, I want you to individually look at it, talk about it as a group, um, discuss it just a little bit. Sound good? Yeah. All right, dive in. Ready, get set, go. Quickly going through this, the context of Hebrews chapter 6, what's it kind of about? Well, it seems to me that it's about works. Did anyone say that? Like he's, he's, Paul is maybe the assumed author. We're actually not sure for sure who the author of the book of Hebrews is because Paul usually starts his letters off with, uh, I, Paul, a servant, you know, address you, Hebrews, etc. And it, the book of Hebrews doesn't open up like that. But whoever the author is seems to be in chapter 6 talking about works. Like look at, look at verse 10. Uh, says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people uh, continue to help them. And, th- and then, so this idea of, you know, works are important. There's, you know, work out your salvation. It's good to do good works. God won't forget your works. And, and so in that context of working out your salvation is where this passage comes into play. And so is this passage, the next, the next question for, for discussion is, is this passage actually talking about salvation? Is this passage actually talking about salvation? How many of you would say, yes, it is talking about salvation? How many of you said, no way, it's not talking about salvation? How many of you say, I have no idea? <laughs> all right, all right. So for those of you that say, yes, he's talking about salvation, would probably look at verse 6 and say, if they fall away to be brought back to Repentance, and so this person who's who's 
being talked about here is actually being brought back to repentance. And it's impossible for those that have been in repentance to come back to repentance because he says, because to their loss they're crucifying the Son of God all over again. And so, and so, this, so to a person that says you can lose your salvation would say, look, verse 6, they, they, they would have to be brought back to repentance. They, would want, they were in repentance and they would say, look, they, they've, they've shared in the Holy Spirit and in the, in the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, etc. They're talking about a saved person. They're talking about salvation. And then the other side of that that says, no, this verse isn't really about salvation. These people, this interpretation would, would emphasize the tasted. Oh, they've tasted the heavenly gift. They've tasted the goodness of the word. And this idea of tasting is just like, you know, just a little taste. It's like, no, I'm not ready to swallow it yet. I'm not ready to eat it yet. They've just tasted these things. Did some of you discuss that in your groups? This idea that, oh, they've just tasted the heavenly gift. Maybe they just heard a sermon or two and uh, they're, they're actually, they weren't actually saved. They were just kind of testing it out, putting a foot in the bathwater, not jumping in yet. And so there's two sides to this. this is this passage talking about salvation? Yes. And then no, you could come at it either way. And then the last question, is, is this passage actually saying you can lose your salvation? How many of you would say, yes, it's saying you can lose your salvation? I see a couple of hands. How many of you say, no, it's not talking about that? Okay, I see, I see a couple of hands. How many of you are totally not sure? <laughs> How many of you didn't raise your hand? <laughs> so if you're on the side of... If you're on the side of, yes, this passage is about losing your salvation, you would say, this passage is literal. It's talking about someone who is literally having these things, the heavenly gift, the the goodness of the word of God, and then it's literally talking about falling away, and it's literally talking about you cannot come back to repentance. This passage is is very uh, literal, and I mean by literal, I mean just just read it. It's it's one-for-one equation for how salvation works. If, if you come at this and say, no, I don't really think this passage is, is about salvation, then what you might bring into the argument is, this is a hypothetical. Did anyone talk about that in their groups? Like, this is just a hypothetical situation, because it starts off in verse 4 and says, it is impossible for those who have once... It's just kind of this, this language that's... Um, hypothetical like in a hypothetical situation if it were even possible to to lose your salvation then hypothetically it would be impossible to get your salvation back because you'd be re-crucifying jesus all over again to be totally honest this is a hard passage this is a passage that people on both sides of this eternal security argument can look at and say look it's it's kind of talking about this and so it's hypothetical you can't really lose your salvation and then a person that says you can lose your salvation it says look just li- literally read it it's a one-for-one equation for how salvation works and so therefore um this passage can you kind of see both there this mystery uh, kind of what i want to the thing i want to highlight today in the mill sunday school is is what we do know we, we do know that god is sovereign he has all things um, in his hands. He is in control. He chooses us. Those are th- th- things that are true. And yet at the same time, this, this truth of we are responsible as humans. We're responsible to respond to God's choice. We're responsible to, to, to when we come into salvation, to live like we are saved. And so sovereignty, responsibility, this mystery between them. All right, let's, let's look at the other passage. And this is the other famous infamous passage that is used for this eternal security debate. It's Romans 8.38. 
Romans 8, 38 and 39. So two verses for eternal security, two verses for human responsibility. So I'm looking at Romans 8, 38, and it says this. I'll read it once again, and then, and then we'll do the same thing. We'll look at the passage. We'll answer the three questions. What's the context? Is this about salvation? Is this actually saying you cannot? So this passage is, is, is the one that you cannot lose your salvation that people like to bring up. And it's an awesome passage. Romans eight thirty eight says, For I am convinced, and we know that this is Paul talking to the church at Rome. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this passage may be talking about we nothing can separate us from God, from the love of God. So, Look at this passage in your groups and, and answer the three questions. Is this, what's the context of this passage? Does it seem like this passage is about salvation? And does this passage say you can lose your salvation? Ready, get set, go. What do you think the context of this great passage is about? The, this context of you're convinced that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Well, the context seems to be about um, God's awesomeness, about God's choice. A lot of, a lot of us love this, the, the scripture, Romans 8, 28, which is, uh, for we know that in all things God works for the good of those, uh, those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And this idea of God calling, God predestining, God choosing us. So that's the greater context of Romans chapter 8. And then we get to this last passage in the chapter at least. And it says that he's convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God because God has chosen us. And that's what this context of this passage is about. And so this passage, um, the, the question Number two, is this passage actually talking about salvation? How many of you say, yes, it is? A couple hands. How many of you say, no, it's not really talking about salvation? A lot of hands. How many of you didn't raise your hand? <laughs> Once again, the majority. <laughs> um, so if you're on the side of, of, of this saying, this is talking about salvation, you might just say, Look at this passage and read it. It's about being in the love of God. And, and, and the being in the love of God is about salvation. If you look at some of the context, it's about God choosing you for salvation. But some of you raise your hands and say, no, this passage isn't really about salvation. It's more about maybe the love of God is what, maybe what you talked about. And you could be reminded that Christ loves us all. And so, so does Christ love the sinner? Does Christ even love those that are unsaved? Well, sure he does. And nothing can separate them from, from the love of Christ. That Christ is going to love everyone. He loves all. And so there's, there's two sides of that question. And then the question, is this passage actually saying that you cannot lose your salvation? How many of you would say yes? This passage says you cannot lose your salvation. A couple hands. Little hands, though. How many of you would say this passage is saying, uh, is, is unclear, and so it's not really saying you can lose your salvation? Did I say that the same way? Can lose? I'm confused now. All right, this is, this is a passage that if you say you cannot lose your salvation, this is a passage. So someone's saying 
this passage is talking about you cannot lose your salvation, they would stress you can't be separated from God. The, the passage here is saying you're chosen by God and nothing can separate you from God. But then the other side of that is an, an Arminianist, a more free will person would look at this passage and say, yeah, it says angels can't separate you and demons can't or nothing in creation can't. But the only thing that's missing is you. What about you? Can you separate yourself from the love of God? And so an Arminianist, a free will person, would say, this passage is saying that nothing outside, of, you know, nothing outside of you can separate you and God. But what if you wanted to break covenant with God? Does God allow you? Does God freely give you the choice to walk away from him, to refuse salvation once you had it? So there you go. Is everyone completely confused? Yes. Me too. There's this debate. There is this mystery. So let's wrap it up with this bigger, bigger idea. There's this mystery between the fact that we know God is sovereign, right? By sovereign, we mean big, awesome. God is in control, right? Yes. And on the same side, we know that we as humans have been given responsibility. We've been given this, this choice to respond to him. We can walk out the door today and, and either do good for God or we can do evil, right? Haven't we been given responsibility and free will? Yeah, sure. We, we hold these two things, even though there's tension, we hold them both and say, yes, we believe in God's sovereignty. We believe in our own human responsibility. I like how John Piper puts it on the back of the skillet is, is a quote by John Piper. And John Piper is a five-point Calvinist. He believes you cannot lose your salvation. He jokingly says that he is a seven-point Calvinist in one of his sermons, which, of course, for all you theologians, is a hilarious joke. But, because there's only five points. But he says this. So he's, he says you cannot lose your salvation. That's where Piper's coming from. But he says this warning. He says we should talk about the perseverance of the saints, not losing our salvation, in confirming language, not automatic language. This idea that if, if you come and make a decision for Christ and, and you say a prayer, then it's not an automatic thing that you're automatically going to heaven, that you're automatically, you can't lose your salvation. Piper says, let's talk about it in confirming language. That if you can, can confirm your life, to, if you give your life to Christ and you live for him, then you're going to be confirmed in salvation. I like how New Life Church puts it in their doctrine of faith. In the statement of faith, you can go to the New Life Church website and read about what we think about salvation. And it says this, For those abiding in Christ until their death or his return, so for those that have been saved and abide in Christ until they die or Christ returns, whatever happens first, the promises of eternal security in the presence of God are assured. So that, there, there's no doubt about it. If someone believes in Christ and abides in Christ until their death, then the promise of eternal life is preserved. It's assured. And so it, it kind of leaves room for the debate to happen. It kind of leaves room for, okay, what if someone believes in Christ, but they don't abide in him until their death? They, they turn away at some point in their life. Did they actually have salvation? Did they not? There's a mystery there. It's debatable. It's, it's heavily debated within Christianity. But what I want to leave you with is the awesomeness of God's, God's sovereignty, excuse me, and our responsibility for our salvation. 
So with that, with that tension, let's close Sunday school and, and, and thank God for, for the mystery of how this salvation thing works. God, we do thank you right now that, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that you've given us eternal life if we just believe in, believe in you. God, we're so grateful for that. We're grateful that we are assured of our salvation if we believe and abide in you. God, would you show us this mystery of how awesome you are, how sovereign you are, and yet at the same time, how how we are, in fact, responsible for living our salvation out, for trusting in you, how, how you've given us this responsibility. So God, we hold this tension. God, we, we love you. We, we praise you for all the things you've given to us, including salvation. God, we accept it willingly. We want to live it out. We want to abide in you. We want to show you that we are truly yours. We want to live it out. God, we leave here excited to do that. We leave here expecting you to do great things like the things you've already done in our lives. Father, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, you're officially dismissed. Get some more coffee on the way out. Shake a few hands. Give some hugs. Peace out.